Dear Holy Father, dear Father, you, you know us each one, you know why we're here, you know our hearts, you know our motivation. You know the good things in us and the bad things in us, yet you still love us. Father, thank you. Father, we, we thank you for everything that we have. We thank you for this day and we thank you for each other and our families. We thank you for our health and strength. Sometimes we have pains. I have pains. We all have pains, Lord. Help us to know that you still love us. You still care for us and give us all the things that we need to bring us close to you. Father, thank you. Father, we just sang, <clears throat> as we gaze on your kingly brightness, so our faces display your likeness. I, I look at myself in the mirror, Lord, and I'm not altogether sure that that's what does happen most of the time. Maybe some of the time I do. And I'm sure that's true with each one of us. But Lord, help us to change um, from glory to glory ever increasing glory, your glory, Lord, as you fill us and work in us. Lord Jesus, I know that you are with us, that your Father is with us in you. Lord, help us to understand that, to know that you love us so dearly. You want us close to you. Lord, thank you. Bless us now, Lord. You know me, I'm nervous just now. I, these people may not know that, but I know it and I know that you do. Bless me and help me to lead us all in your ways and bring us close to you. Lord, thank you. Amen. We're going to have the announcements now. Um, it's Steve Gilly, and this is his first attempt at this, so... <laughs> only the announcements. Well, welcome everybody, and a particular welcome to um, those of us who those who are visiting us today, and I include Judith and uh, Margaret and Richard, and also Elizabeth and Martin, who are uh, sitting at the back of the hall and whose names I was trying to get before I came up here. Also, it's good to see Sam, and it's good to see Gladys this morning, and, uh, and Ewald and Sue's grandsons, whose names I don't know. But you can find out afterwards, unless they're going to shout them out now. I pray that everything that we do today, Lord, and all those things that we plan for will be to your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. I just wanted to let you know about, uh, in fact, Joe handed this to me, uh, which was an, a homemade thank you card, which came with a, with a letter, which has just fallen out the inside of it, from uh, Georgie from Yates meeting and her... Um, son's girlfriend who came last week to the fellowship weekend, Larissa uh, and Georgie just made a note because Larissa's not really had any involvement with uh, Christadelphians in any way and she's, Georgie says, Larissa made this card as a special thank you to everyone who was involved in the work that made the fellowship weekend a truly magical experience for her. she's never experienced anything so powerfully moving before and she was overwhelmed by the love and the kindness shown to her by everyone who she came into contact with so that's nice and we'll uh, I'll, leave, I'll pin it to the notice board after this. Alex has uh, prepared the following welfare news on behalf of the Welfare Committee. So 
I hope I don't miss anyone else out here. Having just spoken to Gladys before the start of this meeting, I'm aware that she's um, experiencing nasty side effects from some of her painkilling medication, and so I just mentioned that in addition to this. So Alex says, huge and grateful thanks are sent to us from Kinshasa in the Congo this week as we funded a deposit for them to find a new building to meet in as a church. Their previous landlord turfed them out at very little notice, so they are comparing two different possible meeting places this weekend. Old Trafford sent $1,700 to cover the deposit of six months and also to provide some extra care for some of the church members who are in desperate need of various things. Some photos of the new church will be sent as soon as they've decided which building they're going to rent. Please keep the church and John in your prayers and please remember to give him a text or email regularly to encourage and uplift him and strengthen his faith. His contact details are on the notice board at the back of the church. Mary and Jack, Jack is here today, um, have had a very tough week but have come through by the grace of God to a slightly better place this weekend. Mary does have a mass in the pelvic region which will need surgery, but it seems that it's not spread to anywhere else. They're waiting for official confirmation on Monday as to how they plan to treat it. Jack thanks everyone for their care for him and concern for Mary and says that it's been a great witness to the neighbours on their street. Mary does have a mobile with her and appreciates short phone calls and speaking to Jack, uh, he can arrange for that number to be given to you um, if you can find it on his phone first. (laughs) But Mary is asking for only family visitors at this moment. Please also continue to pray for those and please also try to visit Alan McGore and Pete Griffiths as we need to make sure that we are continuing to keep in contact and ready to welcome them with open arms should they wish to come back to the Bethel. Part of that can start by reaching out to them. Please pray for Des, who is away for a short time uh, while he's helping look after an uncle in London. We think it may not be very easy for Des, so we pray that he will feel God's presence to strengthen him there. And Alex finishes, there are many other members of our family we don't see very often and who need our prayers and appreciate visits, emails and phone calls. Please continue to pray for and keep in contact with Hayley, Eloise, Sarah Lewis, Ben and Debbie, Pat Burns, Tammy, Grace, Colin Stevens, Anne and Rachel Curtin, Margaret Marshall, Ben and Kirsten and Zoe at University in Leeds. And he says, and I'm sure many others that I've missed off. Thank you, Steve. He did quite well, didn't he? We're now going to think about the people that we should pray for. But while we're thinking, I'm going to send the collection bags around. So the first collection is for the general fund, and the second collection is for the building fund. So while that is going around, we're going to have our pastoral prayer when that's come back. But are there any people that you would like us to pray for in our pastoral prayer? Let's approach our Father in prayer then. Holy Father, we come again, Father, to to ask for your blessing on people. Father, I know that you love us. Lord Jesus, I know that you're always with us to bless us. And that when it feels like we're alone and we don't seem to have any help at all, I know that you're actually, in fact, with us and close to us. And We don't always understand that, Lord, but we pray that you will help us to understand it, to believe it, to know that you are with us, to know that you love us and you care for us. And so we bring to you, Lord, our brothers and sisters who need your special blessing. 
Lord, we, we think of John Banani in the Congo, in the church in, in Kinshasa, and we pray that you will bless him. He's been on my mind a bit, Lord, as you know, and I pray that you will be with him to, to strengthen him and encourage him and to let him know that, that we love him. That's our responsibility, Lord. So help us to do that. Bless him and the church then. Not just them. There's, there's a lot of people that we know. There's people in Malta, in other parts of Africa, in Israel, in, in America, and wherever they are, Lord. We pray that you will be with them. I know that you will. Lord, we think about Mary particularly at this time, and Jack, of course. And we pray earnestly, Lord Jesus, that you will bless them. I know you will. We don't always know what we should have. And and when you bless us, we, we don't always see it and we don't always recognize it. But you have blessed us in this church with Jack and Mary for a long time. And now Mary may have to have an operation. They're going to meet on Mondays, you know, to make a decision about what treatment. Lord, we pray that you will be with Mary. Be with the doctors and let them make the right decision. And if it's pleasing to you, Lord, let the the treatment be effective and bring her back to us in good health, Lord. Keep her close to you. Encourage her and Jack. Let them know that you love them and are with them. Lord, I don't know how Des is feeling. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with his uncle. I certainly don't know his uncle, but I know you do. Bless him, Lord. It sounds like it's not an easy thing to do. I don't know what that means, but you do. Help him to care for his uncle and to do the things that are right and to honour you in all that he does. Father, we pray for Mark's father, Steve, he's got to have this minor op. We don't know, I don't know what it's about, but you do, Lord. And although it might be a minor op, I know that there's, there are dangers there as well. And we pray that you will keep him safely and bring him through it safely and let him recover well. And Andy's cousin Simon is getting married to Catherine, Lord, and we pray that you will bless them. Bless them in their married life together. I don't know them, you do. Help them, Lord, to honour you. I don't know where they stand in your, in your family, but I, I, I know that you can bless them and bring them close. Keep them close to each other and to you, Lord. And, and be with Andy's Auntie Margaret so that she's not quite so lonely now that she's losing someone. And let other people be there for her to help her. Lord, there are lots of people that we should think about and there may be people that we as individuals think about. And there are people who are not here who we don't see a lot of. Bless them, Lord. Help us to think about them. Lord, I procrastinate. Put things off. Help me not to do that. Help us not to do that, but to show that we love these people. Father, thank you. Amen. We're going to sing again. It doesn't say it in this book, but I'm fairly certain this is a Teze piece. Teze pieces are meant to be sung time and time again, repeated over and over. That doesn't, it's not just vain repetition. I I think that's useful sometimes. It's useful to to settle into things. Now, we're not going to sing this lots and lots of times. We're only going to sing it twice. Okay, but 
And I, I want you to take note of the words because I want to say something about the words afterwards. Okay, let's stand and sing this together. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Saviour, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us. Blessed Redeemer, living word. Well, as I said, I wanted to say some things about that hymn, or at least some, some of the words in that hymn. The words in particular are Emmanuel, God with us. Now, I, I know I talk about some of these things an awful lot, but they're important, and I, and I somehow don't think that we grasp what they mean sometimes. I, I mean, maybe that's my perception. Maybe I have misunderstood you and me. But I think that sometimes is the case. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus did not become Emmanuel when he was baptised. Jesus did not become Emmanuel at the Transfiguration. He did not become Emmanuel at the Last Supper or even on the cross. See, Jesus has always been and is always Emmanuel. And I think that's important because it's the way we see Jesus and the way we see God that is important in terms of our relationship with them. Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. I wonder what you think that means. I wonder what you have in your mind about that. For example, Jesus was Emmanuel when he was walking down the road. Jesus was Emmanuel when he was cooking. Jesus was Emmanuel at the temptation. Yes, I think he was. Jesus was Emmanuel when he slept. Jesus was Emmanuel certainly when he wept. And when he ate and... Jesus was certainly Emmanuel when they stripped him naked and they beat him. He was Emmanuel in all of those. He was God with us. That's what he is. That's what he's about. That's what it's all about, actually. God with us. Jesus is God with us. He's Emmanuel in everything, in in the miraculous and the great things and stuff, and we can look at the scriptures and find some fantastic sort of episodes and stuff. But but he's Emmanuel too in the ordinary and the everyday. And in some senses I think he's more Emmanuel in the ordinary and the everyday than in the dramatic and the miraculous. He's he's showing us what God is like. He's showing us God. He's showing us God who gets involved. God who as I've said many times, gets his hands dirty, gets involved with us. He was Emmanuel from birth. Now, I I don't think God sort of zapped him. I think Jesus allowed God to work in him. Emmanuel means God with us. God was with him. God was in him and so on. It wasn't a kind of an automatic thing. It was something that he made a decision about and he allowed to happen. I think more than that, he invited God to be in him and to be with him. He is the way God gets involved with us and with everything. He is the way it happens. He is the way God gets involved in our lives. 
in the person of Jesus. Come with me to, to John's Gospel. There are only a couple of passages I'm going to look at. And the, the first one is in John chapter 4. John, John chapter 4 is about the Samaritan woman. And you, you, I'm not going to go through the story. You know what happens? They, they arrive at this well and they all, the disciples go off to buy some food because they haven't got any food. And Jesus stays behind and he talks to the Samaritan woman. And then the disciples come back and they brought some food with them. And they want to give him some food to eat. And this is what Jesus says in verse 34. He says, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's his food. His food is not the word of God. This is the word of God in that sense, is the Bible. I'm not saying that he didn't read it or, or that wasn't important to him. Of course it was. But that was not his food. What does food do? Well, I know you like eating it, and we're going to go and eat some, we hope, over in the Sunday school room, and we'll enjoy it and stuff. And, and we eat, I usually eat just because I'm hungry or because I, the, the, the aroma of the food, you know, hits me and, and my, my saliva glands start to work and, and I'm beginning to feel I want that. But that's not why we eat, is it? We eat to give us energy, to energize us, and so on. And Jesus is saying, Doing God's will is the thing that energizes him. It's the thing that gives him life and, and power to go forward. Doing God's will is the thing that does that. He also said there, in that verse, he says, and to finish his work, the, the word finished, Reminds me of the cross, you know, right at the end, when it's all over. Jesus says, right at the end, he says, it's finished. It's done. So, it talks, it seems to be saying, look, my food is doing God's will. Right to the end. Right to the cross. That's my food. And it's, it's not sort of irksome. Well, I say that, I mean, he didn't exactly enjoy the cross, and he didn't look forward to it in that sense. But... But much of the rest of it, I think he did enjoy. It, it wasn't a kind of laborious thing. He, he did God's will. He did what God wanted. And that was something that gave him energy. I think it gave him joy. I think it gave him all sorts of things. It gave him all the things that we need in life. We're going to take a reading. It's from John chapter 6. And uh, John chapter 6 is a bit about food as well. It starts off with the feeding of the 5,000. We're not going to read that bit. And then Jesus is walking on the water. But then he, Jesus talks about himself as being the bread of life. And it's from verse 25 down to verse 59. And Joe is going to come forward. Uh, <clears throat> Joe, do you want this Bible? This, no, okay. John chapter 6, starting at verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures 
to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus replied, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give, that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this the Jews began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Thank you, Joe. John doesn't talk about the breaking of bread and and drinking of wine at the Last Supper. We're going to do that. It's here. And we're going to do that in in a little little while. 
but he does give us this chapter and he says that he is the bread from heaven uh, he's not talking is he about eating bread is he he's, he's not talking about this stuff I, d- I don't think he's talking about this this is a memorial and that's very important because Jesus said we should do it it's a memorial it reminds us but he's not talking about bread I know it's not the Last Supper, so you might say, well, you know, that's, that's why he's not talking about bread. But he's talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, isn't he? But he's, he's not talking about that either, is he? I mean, none of us believes that, you know, either when we break this, it becomes the body of Jesus or anything like that, or, or that we actually eat the flesh of Jesus. It's not that, is it? Well, if it isn't, then what is he saying? He says in, in, let's see, verse uh, 53, he says, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. I mean, that's, that's pretty dramatic stuff, isn't it? You've got no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. My flesh is real food. And my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. I mean, what's he talking about? What's he saying? Well, I, I think when he talks about flesh and blood, he's talking here too about his death. In that last passage where, where we saw you know, my food is to do the will of God. He's saying, to the finish, to the end, it's all his life and his death. And here it seems to me that something similar is being talked about. He's, he's talking about uh, the whole of his life and his death. And he said, I came down from heaven for this. That's what I came for. He came from God. It's always as if he's saying, my life all of it, including the cross, is from God. And it's for you. I think what he's saying is, what you've got to eat is the crucified Jesus. Not, not a person, not this stuff, not flesh, not... But what Jesus was and is... That's what you've got to eat. You've got to eat this man who gave himself. That's what you've got to eat. You've got to eat this man who was crucified. This man who denied himself, who gave himself. That's what you've got to eat. What you've got to do is you've got to take into yourself. It's not this bread and this wine. That's just a reminder. But what you actually got to do is you've got to take the, the person of Jesus, the essence of what Jesus is, the givingness of Jesus, the, the self-denial bit of Jesus, the, the self-sacrifice thing of Jesus into you. That's what you've got to take in. That's what he's saying. He's saying when you come here and you eat this, remember this, but what you've got to do is got to take that person into you. And become like him. You are what you eat. 
Isn't there a saying that says that? You are what you eat. And if you eat the wrong food, you know, you, you get sick and all sorts of things. And if you eat the right food, you get very fit. And if you eat Jesus, you become like Jesus. If you really eat Jesus, if you really eat him and drink his blood, his life, and take him into you. You know, Paul said some interesting things. He said lots of times, and I'm not going to go into them all, but he said in Corinthians, for example, he says, I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. What he did not say is Christ risen. He did not say that. And there are lots of places where he says just Christ crucified. That's what I've come to talk to you about. Christ crucified. Not Christ risen. Now, of course, Christ is written, and he does talk about, Paul does talk about the resurrection of Jesus, and so on and so on. But that's not what he was preaching in terms of his gospel. What he was saying is, look, you need to take Jesus into you. You need to take what Jesus is into you. That's what it's about. It's, that's what Emmanuel is, God with us. And ultimately, you and I become Emmanuel to others. I think that's what he's saying. You and I become God with other people. The giving God, the, the self-denying God, the sacrificing God, the loving God. You and I become that. I don't, I don't mean, you know, you become God or anything like that. But you allow God to work in you. I've got to do it. Me too. You invite him to work in you to the extent that you give. You just keep giving. And you just keep loving. Because that's what God is about. And that's what Jesus is about. We're going to, at this point, remember the death of Jesus. And so we're going to do it in, in the prescribed way. We're going to break bread and we're going to drink wine. We're going to break bread first. And, and I'm going to ask Peter, please, if he'll come forward and lead us in our thanks for this bread. Lord, it's always difficult to know what to say. We, we do this week after week. Sometimes it, it can become just a ritual sometimes we forget about the relationship that we have with you which this bread symbolizes and the relationship that we have with each other sometimes perhaps Lord we aren't as thankful as we should be for all of the things that you've done in our lives most of all the salvation that you have given us sometimes we we wrestle with doubt and with lack of understanding because so much of what you've done it is difficult uh, with our human comprehension to, to put all the pieces in place sometimes Lord we just have to take things on faith and say you know best but Lord we do know that having this to remind us keeps bringing us back to you Whatever we might have done since we were last here, we have the opportunity to reflect again on our relationship with you. To recognise that we are all one loaf. That we share. That you were in Jesus 
reconciling the world to him to to you and that he in turn has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation and we pray lord that you will be in us working that reconciliation wherever it is needed thank you lord for this bread and this reminder thank you Father, for being in the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for living a life which gives us both an example and a a demonstration of the Father's love. And strengthen us, we pray, to continue that work by being with us and in us as we symbolise in taking this bread and eating it. Amen. Thank you, Peter. This is the memorial, then, to remind us of the Lord Jesus and to remind us of our relationship with him. We're the body. And he gave us the cup, the symbol of his blood. And we need to take his life, as I say, into us. And before we take this cup, Charles is going to lead us in thanks. Father God, Lord, we've been thinking of the gifts that you give us, the manna that you send from heaven, and we've just taken a small morsel of bread, and now we're going to take a tiny sip of wine, just enough to to moisten our lips. But we pray that, in a spiritual sense, it will be a feast to us, that we will feed with and on and in our Lord Jesus Christ and that we will be energised by this gift this gift of the cup energised to do your will Father we pray that as we, we take this and as we think about it and then go out into the world that however imperfect we are however weak we are however much we're not like Jesus that you will make us into some small way, Emmanuel. That you will be in us to the rest of the world. Bless us as we take this drink. Amen. Thank you, Charles. He said that we should all drink of this. Isn't it typical of us, but all wrong? No, not all of it. I got some of it wrong. That wasn't the Taze piece. This next one is the Taze piece. It's... Hymn number 146. And we're only going to sing this a couple of times too. I'd like us to remain seated uh, and just to focus. I mean, that's what this bread and wine is about, isn't it? It's about helping us to focus. That's really what it's about. Focusing on God and his love and focusing on the Lord Jesus. In 146, bless the Lord my soul and bless God's holy name. Bless the Lord my soul who leads me into life. Let's just sing this a couple of times too, please. Thank you. That did sound lovely from here. We're going to take another reading from John chapter 9. We're not going to read all of the chapter. We're just going to read the the first bit. That's down to verse 12. And then the last bit from verse 35 onwards. And Tony is going to lead us in that reading. John chapter 9. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. 
his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What are we blind to? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Thank you, Tony. Did you have a good weekend? I, I was at the um, fellowship weekend. I, I guess a lot of you were at the fellowship weekend. and It was a lovely time, wasn't it? It was really great. Uh, it was good to be here. And there was a girl there who was blind. Around the place, you see, you see up on the tops of those things, you see lots of doe sheep. Well, they're not like sheep. They're more like sort of um, polar bears or, or something like that. But anyway, they're meant to be sheep. This blind girl, she made a sheep. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Do you know why she's blind? Because she's diabetic. Well, it's not just diabetes, but it was neglected. That's why she's blind. I have glaucoma. Now, I, I'm not one of these people who sort of says, I'm going to get it sorted out. You know, I, I had to go to the doctors and I went regularly and regularly, and, and they said, put drops in. I put more, more and more drops and drops and drops into my eyes and, and thinking, and I wasn't thinking, I'm going to go blind. I wasn't thinking that. I wasn't thinking that at all. I just went to the, to the hospital and they said, oh, I think I'm going to have to put some more drops in. So I said, isn't there another way? I mean, is there an operation? As soon as I said that, yes, of course there is. Go and see so-and-so. So I went and I had the operation. And my glaucoma is resolved. Well, I'm not sure about that. I, I'm always a little bit worried about it. You know what it's like. And I have to go 
every year, no, every six months I think it was, to, to, for quite a long time, and then every year to have it monitored so that I, so they see my, I don't want to go blind. That's the last thing I want is to go blind like this man. But if you're anything like me, you put things off. And I have to, I have to mark it up on the calendar in red and underline it and all the rest of it to remind myself I've got to go to the hospital on such and such a date because that monitors my eyes. It doesn't, I don't feel anything in my eyes. I didn't, before the operation, nothing happened that visually changed anything. It was just there. Your spiritual life is like that. And so is mine. The trouble is, you, you let it go, and because my condition is chronic, that means it's ever so, ever so slow, I'm not aware of the fact that my vision is actually creeping in, you know, and I'm losing it. I mean, I'm not now because of the operation, but I could have been. I'm not aware of that. Now, you and I are not aware of the fact that spiritually that's happening to us. I, are we blind? They say to Jesus. Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Do you claim to be spiritual? Do I claim to be spiritual? Do I claim to be Christian? I was thinking about John Bonani actually. <coughs> he sent me an email some time ago. Uh, and, and it was, it, it was a heart-rending email saying, I am desperate. I need to know that the people at Old Trafford love me. And I haven't replied to that yet. Have you contacted him? If you haven't, do. I procrastinate. I put things off to the next day. Don't be like that. Don't be like me. Be determined to contact him. There are other people I've got to contact too. Be determined. Say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it now before I forget. He was crying out for money, but we've just sent him some. And I have had it in the back of my mind for a long time. I must talk to somebody about actually giving him money on a regular basis. And I haven't done it yet. But I'm going to. Brothers and sisters, don't go blind spiritually, gradually, until you can't see anything. Open your eyes wide, open your heart wide. Be like Jesus, be giving, be loving, spending your wealth and yourself in the service of the Lord.